Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome, one and all, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. And I... I am broadcasting to you now from the epicenter of tonight's biggest story, New York City, because in this city, this was the last day of Trump's civil fraud trial where he could lose $370 million and his ability to do business in this state. Now... So far, so far, we don't know how much he's going to lose. All we know is that today in court, he lost his <laughs> You see, Trump had been, had been pushing for days to give the closing argument himself, but that motion was denied by New York judge and college professor in line behind you at the dispensary. <laughs> Arthur... Arthur Angoron, in an email to Trump's lawyers, Angoron first said he was open to the idea as long as the former president followed some rules. He may not deliver a campaign speech. He may not impugn myself, my staff, or the New York state court system, and he may not comment on irrelevant matters. Look, I never comment on irrelevant matters, okay? (laughs) By the way, did you hear that many people are saying that windmills are turning our whales gay? Whatever happened to Wayne Newton? (laughs) So, that's what he couldn't do. But as 27 women can tell you, Trump doesn't take no for an answer. So, in the courtroom this afternoon, his lawyers asked one last time if Trump could speak. And for some reason, Judge Angoron agreed, but he told Trump to keep his comments to a few minutes and stick strictly to the facts. So, of course... Trump started ranting that the statute was vicious, there was no fraud, that, quote, this is a fraud on me, attacking the attorney general and insulting the judge to his face in what the New York Times described as full stream of consciousness. (laughs) Look, your crooked honor, this is a plot by Crooked Joe, Crooked Joe, Joe Rogan, Hogan's Heroes, Meatball Hero, Meatball Ron, Do-Do Ron Ron, Bill Bar Bar... Bilbo Baggins, Bag of Rice, Paella, Spain, Don Quixote, tilting at windmills. A lot of people are saying windmills are turning our whales gay. (laughs) Whatever happened to Wayne Newton? (laughs) Now, finally... (laughs) Look. (laughs) Finally, Angora had enough, and he shut, shut Trump down chiding his lawyers, control your client. They can't control me. Nobody can. You can't tie me down. I'm like the wind. Whatever happened to windmills? Why don't they turn our whales gay anymore? I blame crooked Wayne Newton. (laughs) There were no cameras in the courtroom. And this is true. The sketch artist did capture the moment. Let's take a look. Gah! (laughs) Looks like he's screaming, we have to kill the Batman. And, Jimmy, what's that purple blob behind him? But I'm being told that's just his lawyer, the Grimace. 
Is it the? Is it Grimace or the Grimace? Is it this? I don't want a dead name him. Last night, Trump made his pitch to Iowa voters in a town hall on the Fox News, which notably was the first live appearance on Fox News in two years. It's been so long, many of the anchors over there had forgotten what his butthole tastes like. <laughs> now... Trump kicked off his 2024 campaign by promising retribution. But last night, he struck a very different tone. I'm not going to have time for retribution. We're going to make this country so successful again. I'm not going to have time for retribution. And, and remember this, our ultimate retribution is success. You know what they say, living well is the best revenge, which is why on day one, I'm going to throw a living Joe Biden down a well. <laughs> then... Then Donald Trump showed off his nuanced grasp of America's energy policy. Energy is so big, it's so, it's such a big deal that when energy goes up, if you make donuts, if you make hamburgers, if you, anything you do, anything you do, it's all energy. He's right. <laughs> He's right. It's all energy. With enough energy, America can achieve anything we could possibly imagine, from donut to hamburger. <laughs> And someday, if we achieve fusion, perhaps the hambonut. Mm. Hamburger with a donut bun? Mm. I've had that, you've had that? I've had that. Now, while Donald Trump was over having a high old time on Fox, CNN held the final Republican primary debate before Iowa between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley at Iowa's Drake University. You know their mascot, the fighting hotline blings. <laughs> Haley and DeSantis are trailing Trump very badly, but they're in it to win it. Let's take a look at the debate action. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jimmy. No, I'm sorry. That's, that's, I'm sorry. That's, that's our mistake. That's two rats fighting over a slice of pizza. That's obviously not the primary debate because that rat fight had a meaningful result. <laughs> Haley, Haley... Somebody got the pizza. The pizza. Haley and DeSantis really did go after each other, with Haley presenting herself as the candidate of the future. What we need is a leader that's not looking at four years and eight years. We need a president that's looking at 20 and 30 years. Well, good news. The frontrunner is looking at 30 years, 20 with good behavior. <laughs> Then DeSantis got right to the issue that keeps Americans up at night. He's still mad at Mickey Mouse. Nikki Haley sided with Disney. She uh, invited them to South Carolina, uh, even though they were involved in transing kids. First of all, no, they weren't. And second, transing? That's not a verb. They're transing kids. They're non-binaring uncles. They're bisexualating baristas. With God as my witness, I will not let your grandfather be lesbian. <laughs> of course, the race was completely shaken up last night by former New Jersey governor and tourist who just ruined your picture of the Capitol. <laughs> Chris Christie. Christie dropped out of the race and gave this explanation. I've always said that if there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing that goal, 
that I would get out. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination. There isn't a path. That's so sad. It reminds me of that Robert Frost poem. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and neither of them are voting for Chris Christie. (laughs) Christie says he's committed to stopping Donald Trump at any cost, which is why before he took the stage, he was caught giving this endorsement of Haley on a hot mic. And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. I talked to DeSantis called me, petrified. Oh, come on. DeSantis wasn't petrified. That's just how he stands. (laughs) There's also... There's also... There's also uh, big news about a leader America actually cares about because longtime men's football coach Bill Belichick is leaving the Patriots after 24 seasons. Now... I don't know much about the old gridiron tango. (laughs) The pigskin polka. Never played it as a kid on account of my brittle bones and my love of maintaining brain function. But my staff tells me, my staff over here tells me that upon hearing the news, Patriot fans everywhere were absolutely deflated. During his time with the Pats, Belichick managed to win six Super Bowls while still showing up every Sunday on the sidelines looking like a divorced dad who puked in the Uber. <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of bad weeks out there for, uh, for airplanes. First of all, the nation's Boeing Max 9s were grounded because of this teensy issue where their doors might randomly pop off midair. <laughs> then yesterday, a United Airlines flight had to make an emergency landing when an open door light illuminated shortly after takeoff. As a result, United is changing their safety presentation. Uh, Please take a moment to locate your nearest exit. Keep in mind, it may be behind you or in a field outside of Portland. (laughs) Good luck. Now, the flight uh, departed from Sarasota, Florida, then had to make an emergency landing in Tampa, which is ironic because the motto of Sarasota is, at least you're not in Tampa. Now, unlike, unlike the Alaska Airlines plane from last week, which was a Boeing, this one is an Airbus A319, which is comforting, until you find out that Boeing and Airbus are the world's only major large passenger aircraft manufacturers, so all planes are bad. <laughs> That's why from now on, I'm only flying on planes from small mom-and-pop aircraft manufacturers like Barry and Bertie Sky Canoes. <laughs> You know their slogan, we can't legally call this a plane. We got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Emily Blunt. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand-new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Diva Adaris. 
what is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Lucky, lucky people, you know my first guest tonight from The Devil Wears Prada, A Quiet Place, and now Oppenheimer. So, you're a biologist. Well, somehow I have graduated to housewife. Can you explain quantum mechanics to me? Seems baffling. Yes, it is. Well, this glass, this drink, this countertop, uh, our bodies, all of it. It's mostly empty space. Groupings of tiny energy waves bound together. By what? Forces of attraction strong enough to convince us that matter is solid. Stop my body passing through yours. Please welcome Emily Blunt. Nice to see you. Lovely Hi. to see you again, you delightful person. You're more delightful. I really enjoy seeing you run out like usual. I love your run. When, when I run out? Yeah, here, you had a few I... high kicks and flick backs and it's just well, I'm really so... a huffer. <laughs> I worry about your hamstrings a little bit, but... Really? Yeah, a little bit. I love your outfit. You do? It's absolutely, absolutely beautiful. <laughs> a little chilly. <laughs> CBS. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> This is, be careful, this is CBS. Now, yeah. one of the things that you, point, you pointed out, which I did not realize. I didn't You pointed this, this out, is that there you are, absolutely beautiful, but this is also what Lenny Kravitz wore at the Golden Globes last weekend. Now, so. is this, isn't that, wow. Who wore it? Who wore it best? Who, who, who wore... wore it best? Okay. So I saw yes. him yeah. swaggering across the floor at the Golden Globes. Yes. I'd already pre-planned this for your yes. show. Yes. And I thought, you know what? No, I'm, I'm still going to wear it. But there's something about Lenny Kravitz that I feel like he... It's like when he walks in the room, a bus sort of runs over anyone else's cool factor, you know? Yes. He's yes. It, it just sort of becomes vapour. Yeah. You know, you know how amazing. cool Lenny Kravitz so is? Cool. He makes the name Lenny sound cool. <laughs> Because you look at this guy. Give me a shot of this guy, Jim. You look at this guy, you go, oh, yeah, that's Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. But if you just looked at this guy, you wouldn't go, yeah, his name is Lenny. Oh, yeah, Lenny. Yes. <laughs> this guy's name is clearly Marcus or something. That's it. Um, incredible, incredible performance Thank in the movie Oppenheimer. Thank Kitty you. Kitty is a wonderful performance. <laughs> it's an extraordinary film. Extraordinary film. I was deeply Thank moved by Thank it. Thank you. So I heard, I, there was someone who I think was in your screening. I really? don't know who was at the same screening as you, but I, and this was months ago. I mean, it must have been just somebody from, who, who is it, who is, who is actually, is it, what company makes it, is it? Uh, Universal. Universal, so yeah. it must have been somebody, because they just put up a yeah. screening. Yeah, and us. they yeah. said that they saw you sort of lent, just lent against a wall afterwards like that. <laughs> sort of 
devastated by it. That I mean, was. Is that I true? Was, it was absolutely true. I went out and I leaned oh. against one of the pillars in yeah. the theater at the, you know, here on Broadway. And because it, it was beautiful, beautifully executed, beautiful in sort of an objective sense of how yeah. everything is shot. Absolutely horrifying, horrifying and also true at the same yeah. time. It's it's it's, it's a, it, it run an emotional it? gamut, and I was basically silent for five minutes and I just burst into <laughs> tears. I was the same. I was yeah. the same when I saw. It. I felt like I couldn't feel my legs after it. I yeah. just couldn't even walk. I think I was it's so his. Stunned. I think it's his greatest movie. So emotional. So good. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. so proud yeah. to be in it. When did you guys first like? How long ago did you guys first talk about the script? I was called, it's like you get a bat call from Chris Nolan, although he doesn't have a phone. Yes. Um, he doesn't have anything technological anywhere near him, so his wife will sort of call you and oh, I, I was went hoping to... <laughs> I was hoping it was actually tied to a bat. That would be... <laughs> what you, so you have to call, his wife that calls That would be you. amazing. So you get a call and you go to meet him, yeah. and I went to meet him at his house, and he's so... Clearly, he's got that magnificent brain on him, but he is the most understated person you've ever met. Mm -hmm. Like, he's so English. And you'll have this whole... <laughs> unlike me. Um, but he'll it's have this... <laughs> exactly, I'm like... Um, you'll have this whole conversation with him. We just, you know, chatted about God knows what. And then he goes, uh, right, so, you know, I've got... We're going to make this movie Oppenheimer, have you heard? So, um, if you'd like to have a look at the Royal Kitty Oppenheimer... Uh, Love you to do it, you know? And it's, it's as simple as that. And then you're handed, red, handed the script on red paper because apparently you can't photocopy red paper. So he doesn't trust you. He doesn't trust me. <laughs> Can you read off of red paper? No, it's hypnotic. That's why everyone says yes. <laughs> did you actually read the script or you just got to fold the pages for two well, hours and went, I love it? <laughs> I mm. was worried I wouldn't keep up with it. You know, because he's so his movies are so mind-bending and extraordinary. I was like, am I going to follow this? Mm -hmm. And I read it in his library, which is already makes you feel stupid. I bet that's a nice library. So many books. Yeah. yeah, just endless books. Yeah. And then he also just had a couple of cellos just scattered around. Apparently he was just <laughs> he was giving it, it a go. That's you just know. bragging. It was. Mm -hmm. He and Emma, his wife, were learning cello. And then he came in and, I, wait, and I, while he's just learning cello yeah, on the just side. Just while he writes like Oppenheimer. You do. I yeah. Know. Um I, I <laughs> Killian Murphy says, and you already gave us a tiny taste, that you have a Christopher Nolan impression. Yeah, but that's you, it. What you just did? Yeah, that, I'm telling you, he's as understated as that. That's about as good as it gets. Oh, actually, maybe I have one more about him that made me laugh. That we were doing a scene... Do you remember the scene where I'm hanging sheets? Yes, yes, it's a critical... Critical, thing, yeah. he got the IMAX out, and it was a very windy day, so there was a lot of hair acting going on. And... <laughs> He says to you, he comes in the next day after watching the dailies, and he goes, had a look at that scene. Uh, and I thought, wow, Emily Blunt, high winds actress. <laughs> and I was, like, wow. I was like, is that a, is a compliment? Wow. Like, wow. And then later on, we were doing the court hearing scene, and he was standing in front of the AC unit, and his hair was like that. <laughs> and I was just, I was waiting to catch his eye for the longest time, and eventually I caught his eye, and I went, high winds directing. And he went, oh, very good, yeah, very good. <laughs> Now, did you, did you, I, how open is he to, like, actors' ideas? Do you guys see eye to eye on everything? Yes. I mean, he's wonderfully curious and freeing and excited by what you might bring. Yeah. I mean, not at all, you know, he doesn't dictate anything. I heard he wasn't excited about what you might wear, though. He has such an issue with Ugg boots. 
It's, it's, a, it's a serious problem. And, and, I, and I walked in wearing them one day, and I, he was like... It was like the devil wears Prada. I mean, he literally was like... <laughs> and just, like, stared at them. And I was like, Chris, come on. He goes, take those off, you know. But he hates them, so I gifted him some. He directs in a suit and tie, doesn't he? He does. He does. Very nice. Yeah. Do you, do do you, you, do you wear Ugg boots ever? I, do I you? do not own a pair, but I see do a you? box there. Okay. Is that it's what it was? It's kind of become my thing now, is I give people Ugg boots. So, um, I thought these were really you. I just thought those seemed <laughs> sort of beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Put them on yeah, and then baby. run. Oh. What? And then... <laughs> oh. Yeah, you have that to stretch nice. them out a bit. Oh, good. They've got the little hook. That is then, nice. Yeah. yeah. There you go. What do you think? Oh. Oh. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> what are you going to do about it, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, Chris. That's nice. Told you. Yeah. We have to take a quick break. Okay. But we'll be right back with more <laughs> Emily Blunt. Look what we have right there. We are back with one of the stars of Oppenheimer, the wonderful Emily Blunt. You've told me when the, one of the times you were on here for the, the movie The English that you love horseback riding. I do love horseback riding. And you do a lot of it in this movie. I do. Here you, here you are right now. This is you riding a horse. This is Kitty Oppenheimer with Killian. Uh, there he Where is. Where is he? There he is. There's is Killian he a blob right there. He's, he's, <laughs> he's way behind you. Are you a better rider than he is? I mean, yes. <laughs> but to be fair, yeah. I had just. I was just off the back of that six-part series where I was okay. on a horse for six months. So um, I think Chris got quite excited by our scene where we did a bit of a canter up a hill and a romantic More than a canter, scene. I think. You guys are really sending it, aren't you? Yeah. Well, and so then he goes, you know, I've got the camera card. You want to do a kind of gallop across the plains? And I heard Kinnian go, um, ooh, uh. <laughs> and then I was really game for it, so Killian had no option, and I just left him in the dust. Wow. A little nervous? A little nervous? He was a little bit nervous, yeah. But they put him on the like, they put him on the steady Eddie horse, you know. And what they give you? They gave me this a one. Stallion. It was. Killer. I mean, it was amazing. And they said he, you know, your horse really likes to race the camera car. I was like, Ooh, okay. wow. <laughs> now, Kitty Oppenheimer, a, a, a scientist in her, in her own right, but also had um, enjoyed. She's a little thirsty. She, sure. She drank a little bit herself. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? If you were married You're to Robert Oppenheimer. Alamos, that isolation and loneliness. What else was there to do? The difficult thing is that some people have trouble playing. Uh, inebriated. Yeah. Do you, you do it beautifully in the movie. I feel like I've done it a couple of times now. I feel like okay. people come to me for that kind of thing. Sure, it's typecasting. Yeah. But can you, can you give <laughs> yeah, any like advice? She's English. Any, any advice on like how to play that? I feel like when you're really drunk, you, have to, you do everything you can to pretend that you're not. So it's sort of not playing drunk. I think there's a certain focus that happens. But, like, the eyes are still and the body's not quite inside of itself. It's that, maybe that kind of vibe. No blinking? Mm -hmm. There's no blinking, because that shows weakness and a lack of focus. <laughs> Do you know, I worked with Anthony Hopkins once. And I'm I very said, jealous. What's your, I said, what's your trick? Come on. What's your trick? What's your, what do you mean? Just in acting, because everything is, is so brilliant. And he goes, don't move, don't blink. <laughs> Watch his movies. Wow. Watch don't those close-ups. Don't blink. Don't move, don't blink. 
Wow. With those incredible eyes. I know. Yeah, I got to talk to him once out like on him? the on the uh, set. Oh, actually, I've interviewed him, but I got in person. Mm-hmm. I got to spend some time talking with him on the set of uh, Westworld. Oh I was out God. with Chris's brother out cool. there, Jonah Nolan, and he told me stories. He did his impression of um, uh, Catherine Hepburn and Peter O'Toole for me. Because he was talking about his first movie, The Lion in Winter. Yes, of course. And how Catherine Hepburn said, you've got a nice face. <laughs> you know, you got a nice face. Never turn your back. No, no, um, uh, never turn your back on me again or I'll steal the scene from you. Wow. Right. That was the first advice she gave him. And he goes, and she meant fantastic. it. She would. She was, I will steal it from you. Don't let me. Oh, I love that. Um, was it fun to be at the Globes with the cast of Oppenheimer after the fact yeah. that you couldn't actually, because of the strike, you guys couldn't be out there yeah, for we this, love this huge movie? Like, basically, yeah. you know, did you like the Barbenheimer phenomenon? Yes, it's great. It's like, I think, because you, you don't pit them against each other. You just go see both. And it was such a celebration. It was so mm-hmm. cool. And we need more of it. We need more of that. Yes. But, again... This is this huge cultural event. Both of these moved. But Oppenheimer's yeah. this amazing cultural event. You guys didn't get a chance to go out there and like celebrate and do the panels and everything sure. together. What was it like to be together at the Golden Globes? It's Rose? heaven because we we're, we're pals. Like we really love each other. We are the Oppen homies. We are. We love each other so much. The Oppen homies. We we are the Oppen homies. Wow, that really like warms up the idea of yeah. the man who made the world destroyable. Yeah, I truly. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were the loudest table at the Globes. Maybe because we won, but, you know. So... Thank you. Lovely to see you. Oppenheimer in IMAX is back in theaters now. It's Emily Blunt, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.